And I call it dessert because it's really the reason everybody comes to Pilates is to stretch <laughs> in the strap. And I don't think people know how good your body's supposed to feel. You should feel like a superhuman. If you don't continue to move and find your range of motions, like you might just settle with your hip feeling tight. All right, guys, today I'm with Callie Yad. She is with Callie's Pilates in Cleveland. And uh, we actually just connected on Instagram. Um, you know, in part of this, it's a great place to connect, right? And as part of this, like mission that, you know, what are the best ways to stay healthy, try to get out of pain and, and make sure that we're preparing for, for future health, not just kind of what's going on currently and, and aesthetics and fitness, but, you know, how do we stay healthy? Um, I thought it was important to make sure we talk to, to somebody that is involved in Pilates, right? We know there's a lot of research from both a health, wellness and pain standpoint, like Pilates can be super beneficial. So, um, Callie's got uh, what looks to be an amazing clinic in Cleveland, which is local to us. And uh, so I, I was happy that she was, uh, was able to jump on with us today and kind of chat a little more. So um, yeah. Callie, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah. Hi, everyone. I'm Callie Yad, and I have a Pilates studio that is in downtown Cleveland, Ohio. We actually are right around the corner from each other. And um, we have been open for over three years. So we expanded during the pandemic. Luckily, we moved into a bigger room. Um, so we are continually forever social distancing. We were able to create seven feet between every reformer. And we've been there for about three years. So the new studio has been there for one. And we just love the environment that downtown Cleveland brings. We have a lot of um, like very like athletic people that come in. We have people that are coming in rehab wise or have never worked out before. So um, it's a really good overall workout for anyone, just depending on what level of fitness you're coming from. That's awesome. You guys were able to expand during COVID. How's that happen? Um, so we had, I guess we'd have to get into why I have a studio and how we're here for yeah. that to make sense. So um, previous to us living in Cleveland, my husband and I were in California and I had um, a small studio inside my house that I taught privates out of. And I worked at a local gym that had a Pilates studio. So when we moved here, we were like, not a lot of Pilates places. So we're just like, you know, what can we do? And mm -hmm. we moved into the nine, um, res the Metropolitan's nine hotel. That's like the main place downtown. And they didn't have any, they had a gym, but no fitness. So we talked to the GM. We're like, Hey, do you want like a Pilates studio? Like, this is what I did in California. And they're like, we don't have a lot of room for you, but we do have a storage unit inside of our gym that you can have is space. You have to flip it yourself. So my husband and I flipped the studio into like, what was a storage unit? So no windows or anything like that, but which mm -hmm. is fine. We're like, there's a basement where there's like a restaurant and bar, the vault, which you were probably familiar with. Mm -hmm. And then there's a floor below that. So we're like below the basement <laughs> inside <laughs> the gym <laughs> and where we're a storage unit. So we flipped it. It did really well. We weren't sure how Cleveland was going to take to Pilates because there wasn't a lot of studios here. Mm -hmm. So we're like, this is like a good launching pad. Like if it doesn't work out, we just get a handful of people. It's fine. So during COVID, a larger room in the nine, same floor became available. So we flipped that room into like an actual real studio. So we've had that for a full year. 
Yeah. I, I mean, I've seen the pictures on Instagram, like the studio yeah. looks very, very nice. Thanks. We, um, we love it. Um, it's our little happy place to be, but it did take us a little bit of time to get into that actual real studio phase. <laughs> yeah. How, how did you find Pilates? Like, how did you get into Pilates in the first place? Like what made you not only get into Pilates, but then be so passionate about it that you wanted to open a studio? So for me, I was not somebody that grew up playing sports. So I didn't have like a lot of mind body awareness. I was very, um, just unaware of mental and mind body connection. Like mm -hmm. didn't know much about it. Didn't understand how everything's kind of connected. So back in 2012, um, I was just like working out with some girlfriends, just like for fun. And I fell into Pilates and I'm like, I really love this. Like all of a sudden, like these light bulbs started going off in my head and I'm just like, oh, this makes sense. And this is like how this is connected to this and like how important your flexibility is as you get older and like just being aware of where your body is in space. And I was clueless to it. Um, so I started doing Pilates and then my husband's like, okay, like, what do you want to do? Like career-wise, I was an event planner at the time and it was just very time consuming um, with not like the greatest pay like your schedule is like crazy doing events so I was like I don't know I like really love Pilates I think that I would really enjoy being an instructor when I said this I really had no idea what it entailed to be an instructor and then I found a school we lived in Scottsdale Arizona at the time and the school I went through was a very in-depth school so um if you're familiar with Scottsdale it's very like snowbird season so your average client that comes there is like their 60s and 70s. So you have years of injuries or muscle imbalances build up that you're learning to work with. So when I'm in school, it was like a 900 hour program and I quit my job and just committed to it. I'm like, this is just so fascinating to me how well the body can work. And with that being said, the studio I was working at made us do additional educational courses on injuries and like helping you know, an elder clientele with stuff. And I just found it fascinating. And I just like, once we, um, I finished my program and I graduated with those 900 hours, I moved to California and California is the Mecca of Pilates. So you can be like a whole fitness guru with it, or you can be complete rehab. California, your health insurance pays for Pilates because it's considered physical therapy. Interesting. So if Ohio can get on that level, <laughs> we'd all be great. <laughs> but so... I was very attracted to the physical therapy side of Pilates. So a lot of the stuff you do is fascinating to me. It's stuff I've kind of learned not to the scope that you know it, because like I'm not a physical therapist, but my continuing education programs were always in those realm of lines because you're, you're always working with like a hip replacement, low back pain, like something going on. And um, I just fell in love with it. And that's how we kind of started into Pilates was because I had no knowledge of fitness or body awareness. And then it turned into like this fascinating career that is actually very rewarding. Yeah. Once you get into that rabbit hole, right. The more you learn, yeah. you're like, oh, this is, yeah. Well, cool. Like, I yeah. mean, it's kind of like you get like nerded out with like, oh, like if my feet are tight, this is going to affect all the way yep. up to my head. <laughs> yeah. I understand that. I understand that completely. Um, in, 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 my undergrad education was exercise science and my first exercise physiology class was like the most fascinating thing to me. Like, yeah. Oh wait, mm -hmm. this is why we're doing this type of training or, or whatever yeah. the case would be. Like yeah. you, you start to get the, 
the the into the depth of why it's happening. It's so it's so awesome. Um, not to not to sidetrack, but what is like what are the differences in the Pilates training? Like as somebody myself, who's I've experienced maybe a handful of Pilates classes. Um, I've done one reformer class. The rest has been mat based. What are the differences in the types of Pilates and then also reformer versus mat? Okay. So, I mean, it's a great question because like I was saying, like the program I went through was very extensive. Majority of programs aren't 900 hours. So you're also, that's counting in for your, like, just like in PT or clinic, your clinicals, like that's your observing, watching, teaching your hours included in mm -hmm. that. So for me, I'm comprehensively trained, which Pilates has seven pieces of equipment. So I'm versatilely trained through all those equipments. We don't have all the equipment in our studio just because some of it isn't necessary. Um, in Cleveland, we haven't really been a one-on-one -on -one private session studio. It's been more of a class form. So I went through a program that hit every nail on the head where we learn everything. So you can break that down and get trained in just like mat and reformer. And majority of your studios nowadays are going to be reformer based, or you're going to a mat class, like yoga class. Mm -hmm. um, so you can get trained, which is called a classically trained Pilates instructor or contemporary. I would say I'm a little bit more contemporary because my program went off based off of like new age, like what we find as injuries, like a classical Pilates instructor, they would do something like an exercise is called a neck pull. Well, who needs to really pull their neck forward anymore these days? <laughs> because it's just not something that our society does. Right. When Pilates was the first originated in the early 1900s, Joseph Pilates created it. It was actually created for men because he was like in the, the army training them. And um, just like, this is a sidetrack, but the fun fact with like Pilates is it was created for men and his group of men were the only ones that didn't get sick throughout the influenza break like breakout with that. And then he kind of transferred over to physical therapy because he would go into the hospitals to help like soldiers with their injuries. And he literally took springs off of the hospital beds and would attach them to like the walls to help start to manipulate movement back into their muscles and their legs. And once you see a Pilates reformer, if you haven't, it doesn't look too much different. So you will find a studio that like calls it a bed still but it's a reformer and it's all based on spring movement. So he created these machines and they work so well that they haven't even really been recreated that much since he first made them, which is fascinating. <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, I, so we do a lot of like dry needling and cupping and, and yeah. the theory behind why we do that has obviously changed since it was created with acupuncture and traditional Chinese medicine. Like we've learned a lot about theories. Yeah. But I'm a big believer in anything that survives that test of time, like people are still doing it, you know, in, in the dry needling world, it's been 20, it does yeah. something for somebody, right? Like yeah. Yeah. there's a reason it's around. Yeah. And then when Joseph Pilates moved to New York from Germany, he uh, um, opened a studio in the ballet district. And so the like ballerinas, the dancers would come in to, he would like fix her injuries like a PT person, mm -hmm. which is also when Pilates kind of took over this reputation that it's like for women, like it's a girl workout. I will say anytime I ever have a guy come in, they are just blown away by how hard Pilates is because mm -hmm. it's just so intricate and precise. Um, so I think that 
that's kind of where both worlds came into it. He definitely came from like a physical therapy background, not like trained medically, like just made the stuff up and then took a lot of his stuff from like yoga and like the breathing and stuff like that. But um, I think that's why they've always seemed to intertwine so well together. Yeah, there's, and again, I've done a handful of classes. There's definitely some similarities, but it's a very different experience. Yeah. Um, Mm-hmm. My my first experience, I was actually in undergrad. I was in exercise science, and they brought in a, a, a Pilates instructor to teach a mat class. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and I'll never forget. I had this guy next to me who was like just shredded bodybuilder style dude, and uh, we get done with the class, and he just looks at me and he goes, "I've never not moved and sweat so much, like because oh, no. we never left this mat, right? But <laughs> it just puddles." <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So your mat classes, so like you were asking, I got sidetracked there. Mm-hmm. Mat classes are kind of where Pilates stem from. So Joseph Pilates did take a lot from yoga and like breath work and stuff like that, but he had this sequence of series of exercises that were done rapidly within a row and his his technique on form is what he's always wanted. So in Pilates, when you're doing it right, it's really, really hard because you're allowing all of your tiny intricate muscles to work. So when you're on the mat, you don't actually have the machine with you to help assist anything. So the machine actually makes Pilates a tiny bit easier and more like able to like execute the exercises where Matt, like you're solidly on your own, like you're Mm -hmm. sweating, like that guy, you're like, I don't even think I moved, but that was so hard. So the reformers give you like a little bit of assistant and feedback to kind of increase the exercises, but say you're not very good at like laying completely down and rolling all the way up on a mat. That's very hard. It's a lot of core. You tend to grip your hips and your low back to do something like that, where the machine is going to kind of help you focus on where you should be feeling it. Interesting. So it, to kind of go along that line, where does the reformer fit in? Why would somebody choose a reformer class over a, a mat class? Um, I would say the reformer classes for me, it's my personal favorite piece of equipment um, because it is so versatile. It's a full body workout on your machine. So you're standing on it, you're kneeling on it, you're laying on it. It's moving with spring tension resistance, but your spring tension is going to be weight. So it adds that little extra oomph to your workout as opposed to just being on a mat. I kind of like, if I have someone that's like very into yoga and they want to try the reformer out. I tell them to think about it as like they're, um, it's like a moving yoga mat. So it's moving you, but it's giving you some feedback in the sense that it's either challenging you to make something a tad bit harder, like you're planking because you're moving while you're planking, or it's supporting you with like, you know, when you're kneeling, your knees are cushioned, there's room to like kind of move with it. And it's just a piece of equipment that keeps your body symmetrical. So the straps on reformers are on pulley systems. So say you have like your left side's a little weaker than your right side, it's going to help pull that weaker side up to kind of match that stronger side. So you start to get a little bit more muscle symmetry like built throughout. Interesting. What's a, um, I want to ask you some specific things about like different classes, but what's a, like, what's the general class template? What's that look like for somebody that's never been to, to a class? Well, I always sell you on the fact that the majority of the time we start laying down. So that's great. Who doesn't want to start (laughs) working out laying down? So right there is a sell, but really the reason we start laying down is we start with what we call footwork. So in Pilates, we, um, anyone that's like, 
exercise science, everything kind of stems from your feet. So you're on your feet all day long for your entire life. They're taking you around everywhere, but we don't really ever think about our feet. This was for me when I started doing Pilates was a light bulb that went off my head. Like, oh, I've never thought about my feet. Literally never thought about them. And so with our footwork, we're giving you a chance to figure out what your pelvic stability is, which is the center of your body. Everything's connected to it. You're getting core stability, but we're working all of the tiny little muscles throughout your feet. So we're working in different ranges of motion, challenging like your ankle stabilization, getting sure your arches are nice and flexible, but also strong, and then working through different hip range of motions through them. So when you're doing um, like the beginning of your class, your footwork, once you're very comfortable, it becomes a time period where it feels like it's very chatty, like you're friends with your Pilates neighbors now and like the instructor, but we always try to hone it in. Like we're really just centering our body and kicking everything in. The reason we're laying down is so we can feel our feet getting stronger and more flexible. So that would be how you would start off. So even if you've never done anything in your whole life, you would start with footwork. And then we kind of move throughout like almost every range of motion throughout the spine, throughout class. And then some classes can have an emphasis on like your core or your arms, but overall you will get a full body workout within your time in class. And from a, uh, one of my fascinations right now is like metabolic health. So challenging different energy systems, how does that regulate blood sugar, you know, all that kind of of stuff from an energy standpoint, is it is there an intensity to your classes? Is there more of a controlled movement standpoint? Um, what, what's, it, what's it feel like? Okay, so it's a little bit more controlled. So metabotic, um, metabolically, you're not going to get like these extreme heart rates and lowering and training like your heart rate and mm-hmm. lung capacity. You are training it in the sense of like, we're teaching you how to breathe properly. So we're giving you, you know, your rib cage breathing, your lateral breathing. So we can keep the low core connected. We teach you about your belly breath. And, um, our main goal is for beginners. You really just don't want to turn purple because most of the time when people are doing something and they're struggling, like you hold your breath, it's like a natural Mm -hmm. instinct. So we really focus on trying to get you to find your breath work to help emphasize your exercise. We do have a thing that is called the jump board, which places at the bottom of the reformer and we can elevate the heart rate and work within that. Um, Pilates is going to be something that is just a very more controlled workout. So I am wanting you to hold up into like tabletop and be able to hold that and find that connection without tensing through the neck or the shoulders. And we're looking for you to understand why the little muscles are so important as opposed to just blasting through our big ones. So we're not going to just like squat and just get everything kind of fired on. We want to just like, want you to feel why everything's really important, which makes all of your other workouts you like to do for that kind of stuff so much more effective. So Pilates is going to be, if you're trying to do that kind of workout where everything's metabolic and where the energy is coming from, this is going to be more of like your relaxation type of workout to where you're stretching, but it's like also sneaky hard because everything is really put into proper form. Yeah. The classes I've experienced, I wouldn't call them relaxing. Um, no. They're focused. They're focused, they're right? Focused they're, be a better word. Yeah. Um, but it's not like, you know, shavasana and yoga, where it's like, oh, let me take a little. At the end class, we do like a feet and straps, and I do have one of my clients. He calls it shavasana. He's like, can we just get to shavasana? <laughs> well, you're not supposed to be like just resting. Okay, this is still working. But you know, after we have you for 50 minutes, we let you kind of just like be in your own space and do what you want with it. 
I actually love that part of a yoga class because yes, I fall asleep every time. <laughs> yeah. I either, I either fall asleep or my mind is just like everything I've been thinking about feels clear. Like I, yeah. like I yeah. you know, everything's sharp. Um, yeah. uh, so I, I definitely, that's, it's one of my, I I'm interested in why your brain does that. Um, right. I just did a podcast with a CrossFit friend of mine who owns a gym in downtown Cleveland. And he was talking about that effect, but after like super long ruck rucking where he's out there for, you know, whatever he does eight hours, I think. In oh, much. But the mind connection of what happens after a workout is yeah, intriguing, but um, think, yeah, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, it's fine. Oh, I was just going to circle back. I mean, I, I think that's why when you talk about Pilates and, and spine and physical therapy and that kind of stuff, it makes so much sense. You know, we're spending all this time giving specific breathing exercises and talking about, you know, pelvic positioning and rib cage positioning, how the diaphragm connects and the cork and, you know, all that stuff. The cool thing to me, I, the challenge in physical therapy is somebody comes in, we give them a few exercises. It's the consistency of doing that at home, right? right? The support system of having that or, yeah. Um, you know, how do you build that into your lifestyle is, is a challenge for people. It just is uh, where this is set up to be a, a lifestyle, right? Like you come in, yeah. you have your class, you, um, you have, you kind of connect with that. So I, I see where that fits in. And, and I think there, there's research to support. Yeah. And support that as well. Like, yeah. All the things you just said that you spend so much time on your breath work, your pelvic placement, all of those the huge list you just said, that's going to be integrated in every single one of your classes. So you're going to hear like all of a sudden you understand what a pelvic tilt means, anterior tilt. And you're like, oh, what does it mean to pull my ribs together? What does it mean to pull on my ribs? And then it's like, oh my God, I hear my Pilates instructor in my head all the time because Pilates is a lot more affordable and it's a workout to come to two to three times a week as to PT we're coming for a specific reason. Maybe there was an injury that we're really dissecting and trying to improve. Pilates will be your after step of PT. So like if you were the PT of one of my clients, they would tell me what you said. But if I have the ability to talk to you of like, Hey, what really went on here? L4, L5, da, da, da. And that way it helps us as instructors to know where to like guide them, their limitations and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, we've, we've built our physical therapy practice around that concept. Like we want to help you get that pain piece managed, but we want to work with your, whoever, if you're doing personal training, or you're doing CrossFit, or you're doing Pilates, whatever your, your, you know, fitness whatever endeavor is, is. Mm-hmm. we want to work with that person because that's who you're spending most of your time with. Right. right. Like, that's, yeah. and, and the better that communication happens, uh, I think the, the more successful the client's going to be period, like, sure. regardless okay. of your method, just like, you know, when you tell, you're telling a client something, you repeat yourself a million times and like, mm-hmm. you hope it sticks. Like I repeat myself a million times, every single class. And over time, it eventually sticks with you that you're like, oh, I should lengthen my collarbone. Oh, I should sit a little taller. Oh, the crown of my head should reach the ceiling. And then over time it makes sense. And then things start to work. It just yeah. takes time. It's hard. I, I always laugh when like you're working with a client and you're trying to do something and then they go to a different coach. They say the exact same thing, but maybe a different cue or whatever, different setting. And it's like, boom, it clicks. I, I tell, that's what I tell my clients all the time. Like, don't be attached to just one instructor, go to a few of them because another instructor might say something. And I've been saying it to you 20 times in one hour. 
but they say it just a tiny bit different. And then you're like, oh, I get it. So it's like, you just got to figure out where your cues are working from. But it is a little frustrating as the people that have repeated themselves. They're like, that's what I've been saying, but at least you got it. (laughs) Right, exactly, exactly. Uh, And as many times as you try to say it differently, it doesn't matter sometimes. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, Yeah. that's cool. That's cool. So living in that world, like when you get somebody with back pain, or neck pain, what, uh, how does that look for them? What's the introduction phase for somebody? Um, and, and what do you, what do you set as expectation, expectations for them? So for me, it depends on the severity of their pain. Like, is this something you're in pain with like constantly, like that uh, your everyday things just hurt you? I would say that Pilates isn't the place to start. I would want them to go to somebody like you. You need to see someone that's going to kind of set you up for success to be able to go to a workout situation. That being said, I've had people that have had hip replacements. And then after they get out of that week or two of PT, I kind of take over from there. And it's very similar exercises, but a little bit more endurance to them. So if you're coming in and you're like, yeah, I don't have any like slip discs or anything crazy, but I just have a lot of pain in my low back, we'll modify in class for you. So that would be an injury that I feel like you're fine to take class. And I just put out modifications for low back stuff. So your legs are an extended straight and certain exercises, maybe have them bent. So it's less pressure. We prop your hips up. Um, a lot of times the low back people coming in, which is probably more now than ever is from doing this. You're sitting too much at home. You're on your computers. We're on our phones just like this. So we're kind of hunched over all the time. So I think that as a society in general, we're like tech neck problems, low back problems. Um, and if it's nothing too severe where I think they need to be seeing a doctor or in PT, I really start with like just some side stretching. So, you know, you start to get some movement going in your spine and glute release and just starting to open up their hip flexors. And a lot of times if it's nothing of an injury after a couple of weeks of that, they feel a huge difference because they just didn't have a lot of awareness of like what is going on with their body or their core isn't very strong. So the back is overworking or their glutes don't fire on. So again, the back is overworking. Like the back kind of just thinks it can do it all. <laughs> and it can. <laughs> it, it, it will make its way to it, but. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's a, you said, you mentioned glute release, hip flex release. What's that look like in your world? So for our world, it's not going to be as in depth as you, for us, it's going to be a lot of the figure four stretch or like when we're laying on the reformer, we'll hold on to it. And we have straps that we put our feet in. I call it dessert because it's really the reason everybody comes to Pilates is to stretch <laughs> in these straps. But so when you come to do dessert, there's a lot of series of stretches that we'll go through, which the straps kind of are kind of like you, the PT, where it's like your physical holder. And we're just kind of moving through ranges of motion. When we have our feet in our straps, it's very much um, pelvic stabilization. So I think for me with clients with low back pain, almost nine times out of 10, they have no awareness of where their pelvis is, what is doing. So for us teaching what that means to have a steady pelvis really helps fix them in the long run. So if they have like, I call it an Elvis pelvis where it's just like all over the place, as soon as they can figure out how to stabilize through that, I feel the low back pain starts to decrease a lot because it's not overworking. So like our figure four stretch would probably be our number one. And then the rest of the stretches would be stuff you'd have to kind of just come in and explain on the reformer because they don't have like specific names, but the machine provides like a lot of good feedback as far as stretching. 
So yeah, it's a, it's kind of like an assisted stretching of sorts. Uh, yeah. It sounds like mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, you know, when I use the word release, it's always like a hands-on technique. So yes. I was wondering if. Yeah. So um, in privates, we yes, we can do the hands-on. Um, mm -hmm. I would say, with this past you know year or two, hands-on has been less of a thing for us um, in class, just to like be respectful of everybody. But um, I don't manipulate in the sense of release as you would with like your hands on and kind of mm -hmm. like through the muscles. We use exercises and like stretches with the machine to do through that. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I Likewise, we're seeing more people, it seems, that are just kind of stuck in like a posterior tilt, hips turned out, mm -hmm. you know, tight, tight rotators, tight glute kind of scenario. Hip flexors are always flexed. Um, leading to whether that's back pain, hip pain, plantar fasciitis yeah. has been insane for us this year. I've seen more foot problems uh, yeah. in the last two years. And I, I kind of have this theory that whatever you do the most, that's the movement pattern your brain kind of sticks with. And so then you just carry over that posture to, to whatever, whatever activity you're going to go do. Right. Um, and so we release the stuff, right? We do some manual releases, we needle it, we cut right. it, whatever, you know, but you need ways to move into those new ranges of motion, right? That. And be reminded of them. Yes. And, and mm -hmm. I like what you said that you hear this in the bodybuilding world a lot too, is that mind muscle connection kind of idea of mm -hmm. just becoming aware and the ability to actually rotate your pelvis and yeah. feel your ribs. And cause I, if you don't focus on it, I feel like most people have no clue where, how those I things move. I just never had any clue until I started Pilates. So that's why I know I'm so not the only one. I'm like yeah. in school, they should have mind, body awareness, Pilates, yoga classes for kids. Like it shouldn't be like, if you don't play sports, you don't do anything physical. Like I'm just like not a sports person. It's not my thing. It never was. But like I spent my whole teenage life with no mind, body awareness, but I'm taller for a girl. So I'm five, eight. So I already kind of go into a hunch position naturally because you're everyone else you hang out with is like this big. So it's like, you're already there, but like, have you learned those patterns a little bit sooner in your life? I think as adults, as we get older, you wouldn't be, we wouldn't be so stuck here mm -hmm. and not everybody plays sports to like, know what it is to know what your muscles are. Is anybody doing Pilates for kids? No, I definitely thought I was going to start that if I have kids, like, you know, get involved mm -hmm. in the school district with that. But I don't think there's a whole lot of Pilates for kids. Like you'll have some structures here and there that will do stuff, but I would not say there's like specific stuff for kids just yet, but it's great for it. Yeah. And even if you are one of those kids that are an athlete, it's great for athletes because it balances you symmetrically. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm seeing these movement inefficiencies of whatever we want to call them. I'm seeing them more often in younger populations, oh. like so many 10, 12 year olds that can't touch their toes, can't do a squat, can't back, you know, oh. I mean, mm -hmm. very restricted ranges of motion, uh, and, and younger and younger and younger. And it's scary because you know how bad it gets as you get older. <laughs> right. I mean, you're just oh. going to keep using those, those patterns and they're just going to get right. more ingrained and, uh, yeah, the consequences that are interesting. Um, I don't know if that's is. I, I assume it's sitting and video games and all that kind of stuff. But. It's electronics, like, and I don't blame parents when they give their kids electronic device because sometimes you just need some time without your kids screaming at mm -hmm. you or needing something, mm -hmm. and it is a nice distraction. And you can put something educational on the electronics, but kids. I didn't have electronics growing up because it just wasn't a thing when I was a kid. 
you were outside until the street lights came out and then you went home. And nowadays kids are just here because everything they're learning is in their face, but that's also teaching your spine to kind of be curled forward. So I, I have a niece and she's eight and, you know, phones are a big deal when you're eight and she doesn't have one yet. But when she has one, I told her, you have to sit tall and keep your phone in front of you. She's going to be like the only like good, weird good luck. school <laughs> looking like she's taking <laughs> pictures of everybody. <laughs> But she'll have great posture when she's older, so it's fine. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> right? Yeah. I, I feel like, I don't know. I, I'm of the camp, like, if you train in a good posture enough that you're strong there, you'll naturally use it more often than not. Yeah. If you never train it, I don't yeah. care how aware you are, you're going to go into a slouch posture because it's easy. Oh, Your brain wants easy. Yeah. Well, Anna does what it already knows how to do. Yes. So exactly. Hopefully kids will get some kind of Pilates or yoga program going on a regular basis just to help them physically grow. It'd be interesting to see. I mean, I feel like there's an initiative to, to start to look at yeah. whether you're talking child obesity or, or movement quality. Mm-hmm. We're, you know, from a school testing standpoint, we're getting away from gym class and fitness, but then from practicality standpoint, I feel like there's a little bit of an initiative to push to that. I wonder, wonder where that goes. I don't know. We should be interesting. Something. We should, we should. Yeah. I have some people that maybe we could connect with and it'd be, yeah. it'd be interesting to see. Um, on the other side of the spectrum for our adults, uh, a lot of our clients and the members we work with are active, right? They're doing yeah. CrossFit or they're doing Orange Theory or, or yoga or, you know, F45 now. How many of your clients are, are in multiple fitness domains versus are strictly Pilates? Um. I would say we have a good amount. I would say probably like 40% are into other workouts. Um, Pilates is like one of those things that once you start doing it, you really get addicted to it because it's very um, versatile in every different kind of way. I do always recommend to layer some kind of cardio into it because Mm -hmm. we don't do cardio as much as far as like elevating your heart rate and stuff. But I would say like the 40% that have other physical activities they like to do, whether it's CrossFit or any of the ones you named, Pilates tends to make you better at those other workouts because it's just helping you understand your body and be a little stronger in your small muscles. So people that do CrossFit, they come to Pilates and they're just like, holy crap, I'm like so good at CrossFit after even integrating one class a week. Like it makes a difference in your other workouts. I think people that are into CrossFit, like you're super into it. Like you get very addicted to it. It's something that you want to get better and better at. And a way to get better and better at it is to integrate like a yoga or Pilates class where it's going to kind of give you better ranges of motion and flexibility to help that workout if we're talking that specifically. But I would say that um, I have a lot of people that are just like a Pilates strictly workout. And I think it's just a preference. I think that all exercises are good as long as you are aware of your form in them. Um, and it just depends on what you like. Yeah. I, I think so many people would benefit from combining like in our culture, it's so, uh, it might just be a financial thing too, right? Like you belong to one gym and that's what you do. Like you're a CrossFit yeah. person or you're yeah. a yogi or you're a Pilates person. This idea of, can we, and what is the best way to mix and match? Like, can I get some strength training in a couple of days a week? Some, like you right. said, cardio, you need, you know, the metabolic demands of cardio are going to be different. Uh, right. So if we're just looking to be the best adult, the best human possible, what does that, what does that look like? Um, 
And I, and you mentioned this earlier, but kind of blowing past it with your big, big muscles, I think was the term you used. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you add speed, like it changes everything. Cause you can kind yeah. of skip, skip spots in, in a weak range of motion or a position. Yeah. Um, I mean, I do it all the time. I mean, I, you know, until you know, I mean, you do get to kind of skip the little muscles. They can kind of sit out and you won't really know. Yeah. Um, changing subjects a little bit, but kind of along the same lines, you mentioned yoga and Pilates together in that conversation. And I feel like, uh, when you talk about mixing workouts, a lot of people mix yoga with whatever, um, and our, our, a lot of our offices are in CrossFit gym. So I'm real familiar with that culture and like yeah. mobility wad and ROM wad and all these kind of like yoga slash CrossFit things exist. Yeah. How do, how do you see Pilates fitting in for the person that wants to mix, mix so fitness? Pilates is going to give you a little bit, um, more of a dynamic, um, workout, I guess. And I am not an expert on yoga, so I'm sure there's different types of yoga that you can do that is going to give you stuff like that. But Pilates is going to give you the resistance with our spring tension and straps is going to get everything like a little bit deeper of a stretch, a little bit deeper of a workout. And it gives you like this functionality on your reformer specifically that you're not going to get in a yoga class. So the reason I say yoga and Pilates when I referred the two together is if you put a mat down on the ground and you do a mat Pilates class, it's going to be a little bit more exercise focused, but very similar moves. I mean, Joseph Pilates who created Pilates took a lot of his breath work and exercises from yoga. So yoga has been around since like, who knows when the beginning of time. And so a mat class, Pilates class or yoga class, they're going to be pretty similar to each other. Um, some of them might not be hot or flow as much as like a vinyasa flow class, but you're going to get the same benefits as far as like your flexibility. I do think in a yoga class, you really get that mind body connection just as much as you do in Pilates. So they do go hand in hand. Um, I think people just assume Pilates is yoga. They don't really understand the difference between the two. What would you like your elevator pitch of the differences between Pilates and yoga, what would you say? So to me, Pilates is more of a harder workout. It's like that cross between like weight training because your springs are your weight. And it's like, you still have that stretch and strength of flexibility with yoga, but this one, it's like, you have a whole machine adding to emphasize that. So it's just a little bit more, um, yoga. I feel that you can be a little bit more on your own, do what feels good for you, where Pilates, you're in a really small class and you have an instructor that's eyeing like your every inch of your form and making sure everything's perfect. And maybe that means you're kneeling in your plank because you can't really hold a regular plank. In yoga, you're not really getting those specifications to like kneel, like they just say, hold your plank. And, you know, a plank's a hard thing to know how to do right. It takes Mm -hmm. some time to like get the right muscles to work. And when you're in a Pilates class, you're always in a small class. So your instructor is literally nitpicking you apart to get everything perfect. That's interesting. Yeah. The, the coaching is so valuable because like you were saying, you're going to move the way you kind of know how to move. So if you really want to strengthen the small muscles, those yeah, intricate movements, yeah. you, you need that, you need that close observation, uh, yeah. for someone to make you aware. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times if a Pilates studio has 10 reformers to it, you know, you can still get a good class and I'm sure there's some instructors that are really great. I don't really know how an instructor can give a perfect class and get to 10 people at the same time. 
Cause like, I know myself, my instructor, people I've worked with in California, you want to keep it like six or less to a class and six is pretty big. Like mm-hmm. we were four for a while, but then we were just in such a demand with long wait lists. I added a fifth performer in, but my instructors and I both think that that's really our cap to make sure that you're getting the most out of your class when you're there. Like you need to know if your right hip is hiked up, like, you know, while you're doing a lunge. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if that's your intention, you have to have it. Um, We always did when we did specific like Olympic weightlifting coaching, one to six was, was the ratio we always looked for. Yeah. And and even then it was usually you had two platforms. So two people were working at a time and just kind of rotated them. Yeah. So you could really, you know, you could watch a specific movement. Um, Obviously the game's different, but this, yeah. you know, coaching wise, it, it's very similar. Um, yeah. What's, this is a question I have. What is the, what's the spring feel like? Like from a resistance standpoint, is it like a free weight feel? Is it a band resistance feel? Is it? it give you more of a band resistance feel with like, not so much free weight. I can give you some arm work with it that will kind of feel like a little bit more free weight, but I would say like stronger resistance bands that are going to like we always kind of want like a little bit of a slow release to get like the most out of the exercise, but I would say the band is the way to do it. So with our springs, there are different colors. So each color is a different resistance. So we go from like heavy springs to light springs, um, say like your medium spring, like say it's like three to four pounds and like your lightest spring is like a pound. So that would be like, if we're trying to explain to someone that's like someone that's a weight trainer, that would be how I would try to explain it to you. But then once you start feeling the movement, you would know it's not really a weight situation. Yeah. I, I kind of assumed there would be like an elasticity to, to it. Um, yeah. I, I've only been on a reformer once and it was, we didn't really do a ton. Uh, it was more like yeah. stretchy style. Um, I wouldn't, I, I didn't get a feel for kind of what a, a true class would be like. It was more right. um, yeah. kind of introduction thing. Um, and then, what are the differences, like if somebody's looking to get into Pilates, right? There, there's some franchise style Pilates that that have emerged. What are the differences, like what should somebody look for in a, in a Pilates class? Like, So I would definitely look for a studio that is not 10 reformers or mm-hmm. eight reformers. You want to keep your environment small when you're going to be on equipment in Pilates. There's a lot that can go wrong on the equipment. There's a lot of ways to get injured and you know, if you're over here and the instructor's talking to 10 reformers down, it's just like this crossover. We don't want anyone to fall. We don't want injuries. Like you're supposed to leave feeling better. So to leave feeling better, you need to be in a smaller group, a smaller class to make sure you're getting that attention from the instructor. And we want our, like the environment to be welcoming to where you're like, I have no idea what table pot means. Like how do, what does that mean? Like I want, we want our clients to be able to ask us questions and not feel like they're lost in a group. Another thing you would want to look for say is who they're trained through. So you would want an instructor and a studio that's comprehensively trained. It's not just like their own tiny little program that takes a couple of weeks to go through. Like it should be something that is minimum like four or 500 hours worth of training before we're really teaching on that because no one comes in perfect. Everyone comes in, there's some kind of injury, something going on. And maybe you don't know you have an injury, but like, we're trying to teach you like, Hey, like you do kind of have tight hip flexors, which could cause, you know, your low back kind of aching a little bit. And then you're like, Oh, I didn't even know I needed to stretch my hip flexors. And we want, you know, your instructor to have that knowledge, to be able to help kind of give you like an overview when they see you come in, like you would with PT. Right. Like just kind of give you like, oh, let's see what's going on here. 
Yeah. Yeah. When people start exploring those new ranges of motion, they're like, you've been there in a while. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what's happening here? So I would say Pilates, when you're in a right studio, you feel so lost and confused for five, six times because it sounds like a new language. Your body hasn't moved that way and you feel very uncomfortable. And I tell people all the time, I'm like, just stick it out come like five or six times, it's going to be something that will really change how you move and things you like to do in life. And I've never really lost anyone. So, I mean, it's just knowing you're going, it's just like anything. Like when you start something new, you're just not good at it. Like mm -hmm. it's going to be uncomfortable and you just got to give it a try. Yeah. That intimidation factor of starting a new, it's a major it thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say we've been open for three years now and I, I, all the time have people like, Oh my God, I saw your studio on Instagram, but like, I'm just like so afraid to come. I can't come. And it's just like, if you can literally leave in half the class, if you're just like, I really can't handle this anxiety of it just mm -hmm. being too new and hard, it won't offend the instructor. But I always explain like it is a workout and it's one of those things that it looks hard, but then once you do it, we talk so much, as you can tell, I talk a lot. You talk a lot throughout class that you don't really feel lost because I'm not telling you to just do a movement and they teach you one time and then tell you to figure it out the rest of the time. Like you do 10 reps of it, every single rep, I'm talking you through every single thing you should be doing and feeling. And right. so are all the other instructors that work in the studio. Right. It's just a, it's just a matter of getting okay with that, that moment of uncomfortableness, right? Like, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I can remember the first time I walked into a, a yoga class and, uh, maybe being a guy or at the time right? I was just yeah. doing weightlifting all the time. It was like, like I know I want to do this, but it's kind of weird. You know, like, I don't, I don't feel, feel like I'm in place. Yeah. yeah. I don't feel like I'm in place. I have no idea what's happening. I'm trying yeah. to watch, you know, okay. That person looks like they know what they're doing. Um, right. Yeah. And so there's, I, there's that piece, but yeah. I mean, I I'll take yoga classes and if it's a flow class, I'm standing up, everyone's laying down. I'm like, what are we doing? Like, <laughs> going on right. um and i think it's just like knowing that you're probably not the only person in class that feels that way um mm -hmm. and the cool thing is with pilates classes when they're small if like what i'm saying or another instructor saying doesn't make sense it's probably the whole class is not getting it so they're like what are you talking about and then we re-explain it a different way and then and again i can't speak to pilates but i can speak to other things that i've done when you start to like when you take on that new challenge, you start to understand the lingo and the language and you, it builds a sense of community, right? Like oh, there's yeah. this, there's mm -hmm. this challenge at the front end, but then yeah. once you kind of get into it, right, all of a sudden now you have friends that, yeah. that also do, and you, you know, you have this little club that you've made. Um, oh, and our club is huge with our, I mean, I, when we lived in California, all the ladies I taught there, they all still hang out. They go on vacations together. It's book club. It's the same thing here in Cleveland. You just start to really enjoy being around people that are into the same thing. And a lot, of, especially for Cleveland, a lot of it's still very new to you. So mm -hmm. it's like, exciting. Um, so that's where Pilates to me becomes kind of like a lifestyle because then you're around all these people that are kind of doing the same thing. And like, we're like bouncing ideas off each other. We're like, oh my God, I can't believe how sore I am. Me too. Oh my God, I hated doing that plank series. And it's just like something fun to kind of connect on. And I think when you become like in your thirties and forties, like it's just harder to make friends in general. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I think a fitness class is a great place to like meet like-minded people. Yeah. And what a great, 
you know, you could pick 10,000 things, the places to go meet people, but fitness is just a great journey and we could all yeah. use more of it. Right. Like there's, yeah, sure. that's definitely the, the trend. Um, so the, hey, this was awesome. Um, I, I have one more question, but anything else yeah. you want to cover before we kind of wrap up? Um, I don't think so. I think that, you know, thanks for asking me to come on. I think it's really cool. I think like what you do just like really connects with like the things that we do. So for me, I always really encourage like PT, dry needling, all the stuff you guys do because you guys aren't fixing the problem until their next appointment. You guys are always fixing the problem for like this lifetime achievement. You know, like the whole point is to get out of the injury and stay out of pain, but continue that where I feel like, you know, not all things do that, but I feel like PT and Pilates definitely give you that feedback where like, okay, yeah, we might be injured. We're going to have to be here for a minute doing silly little exercises that you think aren't doing anything, but they are doing something. And then you get to go do hard things again, which is right. great. So right. um, I just think that they're just so well hand in hand. I think physical therapy is amazing. Like, I think it's like, the stem of Pilates and how it kind of makes light bulbs go off. So, so I think people that are afraid to go to PT or don't feel they need it, feel everyone needs PT. I mean, whether you think you do or not, like there's mm -hmm. something going on that's wrong that you need fixed. And that's yeah. kind of like the thing with Pilates too. Like you, maybe your glutes just aren't as strong as you think they are. And everything would feel a little better if your glutes are strong. <laughs> yeah. I think along that vein, like, I just want people to explore movements, right? Like, sure if, if you just work from that range of motion, from, you know, your couch to, to standing ahead, like you just start to lose, lose movement. And then I think that affects more things than, than we'll ever recognize. Um, and so, yes, we meet most of our people in pain where their back or their knee or their neck or whatever is so limited that they can't do whatever they want to do. That's where we meet them. But if I can encourage people to just get on that journey of, of exploring motion. And I, I say this all the time, but I've met so many people with unlimited resources that have lost their ability to move well. And yeah. it, it just, it detracts from your quality of life at some point. Oh, right? it like, does. It and does. I don't think people know how good your body's supposed to feel. That's a good point. Yeah. I don't think people know, like you should feel like a superhuman, like when you don't mm -hmm. have pain going on, like your body, like you, you almost don't know that your body's there because there is no pain. And majority of people that if you don't continue to move and find your range of motions, like you might just settle with your hip feeling tight or like your feet being tight and you just think it's normal and no big deal. But like when that pain goes away, you're like, Oh my gosh, I feel amazing. Yeah. We get that all the time with manual therapy techniques. You'll do something to somebody, you know, you'll do a joint mobilization yeah. on their neck and they're like, I didn't know my neck turned that far. Right. That wasn't, yeah. <laughs> you're like, yeah. um, and it is, whether it's a movement or, or pain restricting you or whatever it is. I mean, exploring and, and trying to get back some of the things it's, it's possible. And I think people get complacent or, or myself included, right. You get busy with 10,000 yeah. other things. Sure. Um, yeah. And, and for whatever reason, we, we put health and movement kind of on a back burner. Um, I think everyone thinks they can do it when they get home. Oh, I'll just stretch when I get home. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, you find the couch and that's it. <laughs> well, or, or something comes up, right? Like, yeah. Something always life, comes up. Yeah. Life happens. Uh, and yeah. yeah. And it's been a focus of mine for a little while. And I just kind of, when I started the business, I started about five years ago. And, and I feel like I got so just focused on the business side um, that I got away from fitness, quite, oh, yeah. quite honestly. Like I just did. Mm -hmm. um, and I was doing little things here and there, but it wasn't 
like it wasn't a priority and and I've kind of caught myself like yo like if you quit putting this on the back burner like the 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 trend is not good you know so you got to find ways and whether that's myself or our clients like I want to make sure people have a path whether you know once once your pain's down what's the path right how do you keep making progress that that's kind of our that's that's what's fun about this podcast too definitely. Uh, so last kind of thought, what, what is something that you're sort of kind of into now that you think you're going to be more into in five years, whether it's fitness or health or nutrition or anything kind of random? What's, what's the future? I really hope that one day I get into cooking. <laughs> <laughs> cooking is not mine and my husband's thing. I don't know if it's like, cause we both have our own businesses and we're just busy and we don't have kids. So it's like, mm-hmm. we only have to fend for ourselves, which is easy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would really love to get into cooking. I'd love to be one of those people that has like a full fridge and pantry and I could just whip anything up. And cause currently if I cook, I have to find a recipe go to the grocery store, buy every single thing on the recipe, come home, cook. And then all the ingredients that I didn't get used gets thrown away because I don't cook. It's not in that recipe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's the beauty of cooking. You don't need a recipe. You can just kind of like wing it. Yeah. I'm not at the point where I can wing it yet. I want to get there. (laughs) (laughs) Luckily Cleveland's got plenty of good food around. Um, great food. Um, I would wish we had like a salad bar or somewhere like really just quick and healthy. We can go into, we lack that tremendously in Cleveland, but do any of the, like all the, um, like the market districts and the whole foods and stuff are, are all the salad bars still closed because of COVID? I think some of them are open. Are they starting to open like, back up? Yeah. But being like, we go to New York a lot because my in-laws are there. I mean, just walking into sweet green or like somewhere that you can just like it's just nothing like it. It doesn't exist. Yeah, well, somebody, not- somebody, somebody will do it. I know. I'm tempted to do it myself. There you go. <laughs> but you never know. Have you seen Go Buddha on the West Side? Um, yeah, they're good. I like they're them. They're like a vegan kind of thing. Yeah. That's, that's the only thing I can think of. I don't live in Cleveland, so I don't, um, I don't know the food scene as well as maybe I should. But Yeah, no, we are. Um, we're in Brexville, so there's not a whole lot here. Oh, okay. I feel like there's probably some stuff maybe coming up. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Hey, this was fun. We're going to have to, if you're still up for it, I'll have to come in for a class. I'm going to drag, I'm going to drag Kara with me. She's our uh, therapist in the Cleveland. She's an occupational therapist in the Cleveland area. She's one of our Cleveland. I'll drag, I'll drag her with me and we'll have to do a class. Yeah. Love to have you in for sure. All right, Kelly, where do people find, uh, find out more about you and, and your studio? Um, our website, calliespilates.com. Um, if you're in Cleveland, best way to get our schedule, a hold of us is through our app. You can download it on the app store. It's called Callie's Pilates and I'll have your classes, your pricing, um, contact ways to reach us. And Instagram is always obviously very easy to get a hold of us as well, too. That's just Callie's Pilates on Instagram. Yeah. Awesome. I'll link all that stuff in the, in the show notes and stuff and we'll go from there. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me on. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. Have a great day.